there's one thing that people don't talk about, turn away from. Literally, you say some, like, the word death, dead, dying, and the people are like, my mom even is like, ah, like, don't say that, you know? And it's like, that stores within us as something that, of course, we're going to be scared of, and of course, we're going to avoid. Boy, 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 boy. Hello, hello, everyone. Dave Ferrugio here again. I have Jesse Cavanaugh to my left center area. Somewhere. Somewhere over there. Uh, <laughs> she, I, I told her I was going to pass on her title, but I have it in front of me, so I'm going to say all the names and talents that this woman has. She is a conscious creator, correct? Yes. Let me just explain that. <laughs> a soul-centered coach, Reiki healer, master herbalist, and a death doula, which is the title that kind of caught my attention uh, that I thought we discussed, but... She'll get into a better explanation of how all those kind of encompass, you know, the topic of dead talks and her inspiration behind it all. But Jesse, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Cheers to the yes. red wine that we got going on. Love my red wine. So uh, <laughs> likewise, and you're taking a little coy away from me, so I'm happy about that. There you go. Uh, so yeah, thank you for being here. And I guess uh, do a better job at explaining what you, know, <laughs> what you do and uh, we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah. I mean... It's always funny whenever anyone's like, so what do you do? I'm like, I have a, a whole list of mm -hmm. everything that I um, have studied in the past years and, and really have like pulled together for my career in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, as you said, the soul-centered coaching, Reiki work, uh, an herbalist and a conscious creator and a death doula. Um, they all sort of go with each other. Like they blend into each other in different ways. I feel like the overall like overarching theme is just real deep healing work and um, being conscious and conscious creativity, conscious connecting. Um, Are they all, yeah. when you say they're all kind of together, is it all implied in your uh, execution of it all? Like, like when you are you meeting with clients or people that, and you kind of am taking pieces from everyone or does someone come after you looking for one? Like, you want your practice in death, being a death doula or a practice in an herbalist? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, it's both, really. So it could be like someone comes to me for soul-centered coaching, but then I I end up doing Reiki with them. Or then all of a sudden, even like the death doula work, it might not be someone physically dying, but there's, there's sort of elements that I've taken from that um, practice and those studies as well to implement into other forms of healing right. and other areas also. Would you explain for me as well and for anyone listening, how would you define death doula for those that don't know? Yeah, it's basically the emotional and spiritual support for someone who's passing or transitioning. Um, and that could range from somebody got a diagnosis that they're <clears throat> dying in two years and they I'm hired then to be of emotional and spiritual support in that time. And that could range from you know, showing up and just being by the bedside with them or doing even Reiki work can come into there or different types of healing modalities. Um, or it could be somebody found out that they have 10 days to live. And then I come in at that point or at the dying, you know, moment, really, I can come in at that point. Like it's really like client by client, case by case. Right. Um, but it's just mainly the emotional, spiritual support, nothing medical or, you know, um, not like a nurse or caregiver type right. of work. It's really like the deeper sort of support and comfort to be there for somebody who's going through that. And what led you to start learning that path? Um, that was when my dad died, which was four years ago next month. Will four be years Four ago. years, yeah. And so that what, what happened, obviously we know what happened, but what yeah. happened in a sense that led you to helping others for that? 
Um, it was really like just going through the process with him because he had brain cancer. And so he was sick for two years and it felt like in those two years, there was like these mini deaths along the way. So I got like more and more comfortable with understanding like transition and sort of these different phases and different places that we would like move into of like, okay, now this is where we're at with who he is and how he is. And now this is where we're at. And, um, through that and then up until the actual dying process with him being there for it, uh, I just experienced a different way of connecting to death and to the experience of it that really allowed me to not fear it and not turn away from it and actually be there and support him through that process. And that was like, okay, I need to like understand why was I okay with that? Not okay with it, but why was that uh, easy for me to show up and support and it didn't feel scary or hard for me. And then I s started searching from there really like what's available and out there in that type of work. So when you say different experiences, what, how do you mean? Like, are you just, cause then you followed up by saying you were trying to figure out how you were able to kind of be there so easily or naturally perhaps. Yeah, naturally for sure. So when you say a different experience, is, is that, is that what you mean? Different perspective? Is that what you mean? Like how yeah. you handled it or do certain things happen? I mean, it was just like the experience itself, when I look back on it now, like there was like an energetic, just deeply spiritual thing happening there with him physically dying, but me feeling like I was emotionally supporting him. Like, I feel like I was helping his soul leave his body. What is that? How do you, how do you, is it a feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I say it, I'm like, okay, here we go into the weird stuff. No, it's not weird. That's, I mean, really, I, um, I know we don't know each other that well, no, but I'm no, a totally I, believer in that stuff. So I'm, I'm just trying to dig yeah, out for people yeah. that don't have an experience like that. For like, sure. how, do you, how do you decipher? Yeah. I mean, just to like sort of go into the experience itself, um, when he was dying, like it was very clear, like, okay, this is happening now. And, um, <clears throat> My mom and my sister and I were there and his caregivers and his assistant. And then his two cousins came. And it felt for me like the room slowed down. And like all I can focus on was like his body being there physically. But I felt like the energetics of his body. And I actually, I, I had a crystal because I, I work with crystals also. It's actually in my purse right now. Wow. Um, that I held on his chest as he was dying. And I just closed my eyes and was like in the moment with him. And I felt like I was hearing him and I having a conversation internally without speaking. Like, it's okay. Like we got this. Let's, let's do it. Like, let's move, let's move your body. I mean, your soul out of this body. And, you know, and then I'd be there and then like, be like, it's okay, Nikki, my sister, like take a breath. And then like back to this and like, okay, mom, like, you know, breathe. And like everyone was around and just, you know, we were all were supporting him. There right. was just a very special connection happening there. Because the three of us were really there for him through the whole entire journey. I think in that process, I just connected into a different realm that I didn't, I mean, I wasn't crying, you know, like I wasn't, my emotions and my physical world, like human body wasn't, it didn't feel like that was running the show there. And I sort of went <laughs> to the other side or something. Were you almost like, felt like you were unconscious? Um, like present there and conscious, but like definitely some other Thing was happening and to date you don't really even share what the hell happened i mean if it was me in my words i would just say like we definitely our souls were not in our bodies and we were communicating and experiencing a like transaction of energy in a different different realm oh my god 
The crystal. Yeah. Was that, yeah, I want to see it. Is that like a conduit? Like what brought, what, what are, so I'm interested in so, crystals. I just don't understand like the theories it? behind it or science, if you will, behind it and why um, you put a crystal on his chest. So I. Is that the is, one you used? Yeah. Wow. So when my dad got sick, I found this crystal. It's a, called a golden healer Lemurian. Golden healer Lemurian? Yeah. And when I would go see him, I'd give it to him and he'd hold it the whole time he, like I was there. And then he'd give it back to me and be like, okay, like recharge it for me. And so that became our, our exchange, this crystal. And when he was the first surgery that he got, I actually like went to the doctors and I had them all like hold the crystal. And then the whole time in the waiting room, I was holding the crystal. And so it became like this very um, important conduit in I think his whole dying process. And at that point when then like he was dying and I had the crystal on his chest, I feel like this helped lift his soul from his body how so i mean how does it have you had this experience before to know to bring the crystal out prior to giving it to him the first time um yeah i mean i i believe in crystals and their energy i feel like they all they all hold different energy in and itself you can, or it captures your energy like in itself it holds no a each level. crystal has their own energy okay and then what you can do is work with them and like put your intention into them or use them for healing or use them for different you know release work and such and so this, Chris, it just became sort of this power piece in our experience. And mm. then, um, yeah, it's just been that still. I sleep with this under my bed, under my pillow every single night. Really? Every single night without doubt. If I forget, like in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and it's on my bedside and I'll like grab it and put it under. How do you see that? What, what is your reason for that? It's just like a protection piece. It's comforting too? Yeah, it's like it's comforting, it's protection. If I'm ever doing any of my own deep healing work, I'll bring it with me. Um, if I go on a trip, I bring it with me. It's like... I mean, you have it with you now. It's I amazing. Know. And I, when I was running late, I was like, fuck the crystal. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah. I want to ask you, uh, I mean, we, we're kind of jumping around here. You mentioned earlier in the conversation that you had a, a bunch of mini deaths. Mm. I thought that was interesting. I didn't want to like cling on to that, but it just came back. What did you mean by that? Because I haven't, I know it can mean so many different things, but it sounds like the mini deaths were, may have been part of your journey to get where you are today, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind explaining, okay, examples of, because that's part of the process of heal. Because you were explaining earlier that you can be a uh, death doula can come into play even when someone's dying, let alone they died. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like you almost were like, getting ready you almost like hired yourself to be a death doula for yourself and we're learning that throughout the pro learning that that makes sense yeah i just got the chills when you said that which part yeah, that last little <laughs> bit of like training myself as a death doula and that like or it's death dueling myself yeah you're death dueling yourself yeah and I, I feel like that when you said many deaths that just i feel like there's something there yeah i think um one thing that i really believe is like death is not because this whole process and like of my dad and then me moving into like learning and actually being fascinated by death in itself. Um, I feel like it's allowed me to see death in such a different way. And that's like, that's not just a physical death. That is these mini deaths that could happen, which it's like a, a death experience could be losing a job. It could be, mm. you know, breaking up with somebody. It could be moving out of your family home, like things that like, are just these big transitions, these big changes. And so for me specifically with that, um, the mini deaths along the way were like, okay, dad has brain cancer. He's going to surgery. Now this is what, what 
we're dealing with. And then all of a sudden it was like, it got worse. Now he's like this, this is now what we're dealing with. So it's like these, these mini deaths or these like sort of signposts along the way that felt like things kept transitioning or changing in a different way. That sounds, yes, that's what it seems like is the, I never thought of it that way. I've always thought of death that could be yes in a relationship, but you kind of hit the nail on the head on, it seems like uh, the process of death is this losing something slash change. Cause whenever, whenever you veer off to change, you're essentially losing something and going in somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So, so you're saying are those mini deaths, just big changes. Yeah. It's change. It's like, I mean, if you even think of death itself, or at least from my perspective, it's, it's a shift. It's a transition. Mm -hmm. It's a change. I don't see it as like a closed book ending. I think right. it's, um, what's next? Yeah. Trans it's, it's just onto the next journey onto the next experience. And so I think those mini deaths are really a part of that too. It's, it's change and transition anytime that you feel that. Is this something you've realized during the process? Like we were like, Oh, that's another post. That's another post. Or is this looking back this reflection? I think it was more so reflection. Yeah. And learning like, learning a lot more about death itself and what it means because i think as a society we don't talk about it and it's mm -hmm. like this big scary thing that's at the end of everyone's life and like that's it and let's not talk about it even though we're all going to fucking experience it <laughs> like we're all ha headed towards that different we're going different ways different yeah. different, different directions yeah. but same goal and well, goal it's not really yeah, a goal i mean yeah it is a goal i mean yeah it's an unavoidable <laughs> and you can't change that goal yeah but yeah, is it, why do you th why is I mean is it just fear? It's like there's a million dollar answer. You can't really answer that, but I'm curious as to what you think. Why are we just avoiding mm. something so inevitable? I'd say a lot of fear, and also just our society specifically, like uh, this day and age, is the found everything is about the fountain of youth and like live as long as you can, be younger, be you know, tighter, thinner, like prettier, better. It's it's the dying process isn't pretty, mm. and when we really truly accept death and see death for what it is. And if we can honor it, it's actually beautiful, but it's not this, you know, glorified thing. But you look at other cultures and there's like incredible ceremonial mm. um, honoring of death. And I just think our, our society in our day and age has just got it a bit skewed. And I've really stripped that back down now to really honoring death. And they say in, in my death doula course, they, they ask all the students, um, like, what is your purpose or what, is, what are you doing? Who are you serving as a death doula? And that could be, I'm serving the dying. That could be, I'm serving the family that's left behind. That could be, I'm serving death itself. And I thought that that was so interesting because it's like, what is death to me? What is the dying process to me? What, like, it, it, it had me question so much around this unavoidable topic that, as we said, is just not really talked about what did you come to terms with i have a connection with death and the dying and things after they die um and then on the other side i do have a connection with the healing realm and also i've i've been a caretaker my whole life like just naturally mama bear to so many people and so i think there's also the side that's like i want to tend to the people that are grieving and the grief process itself is this whole other beast and this whole other thing that I think another thing that is not really given enough space or room to breathe is the grief process. Like 
What kind of connection are you talking about? You said you have a connection to things that have passed. Is that what you said? Yeah, I... Uh, like connecting to the other side? Just in certain ways in my work or in different things, I feel like I am have some connection with spirits and the realm that is whatever after here. You have a little smirk on your face. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? Is there something coming? Is there something not coming out? What is um. No, because you know what it is, is like sometimes seeming like a very different, weird person. And that stems from childhood because growing up, it's like, you know, it's, it, I was a bit different in the sense like I'm very sensitive. And so it was mm. always like, oh, gosh, like stop crying or oh, like don't do that or don't do this. I've realized in my older age that the sensitivity is actually how I connect with a deeper level of energies and spirits and spirituality that have like always been there for me. And now that I'm working with death, I can see that like veil lifted for myself and I'm able to connect in a different way. Are you, are you noticing, I could be way off the Richter scale here, but are you noticing some of the feelings and some of the energies not yours that you're actually feeling? Does that make sense? Like connecting to other energies, like I, other beings? I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of pulling this from another conversation I have with someone and can not even relate to you. And we can just mm -hmm. go back to what you were saying. But he, one, one, one of my friends was mentioning that he's very sensitive to energy and he had a tough time initially deciphering which energy was his and some other, if that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like other energies that were kind of attaching to himself. Oh, yeah. He was having feelings of, hey, that's not, that's not even me. And he had a hard time, you know, like shed that weight. Yes. So I'm just curious if that happens to you. Completely. I can. So in the work that I do, especially like, I hold space for a lot of people in their process, whatever that looks like in the healing realm, discovery realm, grief, like release, like the work that I do. And then add in the the death component. That's like so many energies. And when you open that door to working with, you know, whatever anyone believes in, in my belief, it's when you open that door and you're working with the other side or whatever it is you want to call it, you're opening a gate that's like, energies want to stick to things that feel good and healing and nice. And so I've had to really practice how to release what's not mine, like cleanse my energy field. And the Reiki helps with that too. So you're saying you're opening the floodgates flood <laughs> for other sources. It's like, oh, there's an opening. I'm going to jet out there. I mean, yeah, sometimes. Oh man. <laughs> it's like a rat race. Talk about a rat race. Just sometimes there's like definitely... Like if I'm holding space for a group of healing work or if I'm doing work in the, you know, death doula realm, if I'm not careful about it, I can all of a sudden be like, ah, oh, like I feel so agitated or, oh, I feel like this thing. And I'm like, oh shit, I need to cleanse like my whole mm. aura and my energy field because there are things that'll stick. Why, why would someone hire a death doula as opposed to just like the, like the shrink? Like, is there a difference? Well, in terms of like the death in death doula, the most comparable that that would be is like a hospice or like caregivers. Mm. Um, are, you, are you there more frequently as opposed to like making an appointment to talk? It's like a death doula. Well, for so I think for me personally, it's different because like I have the coaching side and the healing side. So I do offer my clients in the death doula world of, you know, if you want to do one-on-one -on -one processing or that mm. type of work. But like typically a death doula is just straight up emotional and spiritual support for like by the you know by the bedside or doing work with the person dying but it's not so much like processing and one-on-one -on -one type of like therapy type work mm. um i offer it because 
of the other courses that I've done and training and such. So you're saying you're talking about more being there at the moment of death? Or just like in terms of like, let's say a normal just death doula or like me with the other training that I have. A, a normal death doula will, will be more of like, like they wouldn't talk one-on-one and do therapy work. Right. They could be there and support them and like hear them out, but they wouldn't, they're not trained to sit and have like, like guide them in healing work in the like speaking way. If that makes sense. Not in the speaking way. So is that where your other stuff comes in? Like Reiki yeah, and stuff? Yeah. So and- like, or like for me, it's like I can, because I did a spiritual psychology program, I can, I feel confident that I can facilitate like actual processing around, you know, things that are coming up for them, past traumas, things to be released. Like I can sit down and have like a therapy processing type session with them. Then I can do Reiki with them if I wanted to. Then we can do, you know, anything in in whatever it is that I have to offer. So have you used Reiki in a breathing process or anything of the sort? Yeah. And Reiki is what's is defined energy healing. Or how does that work? Yeah. So Reiki is like. Why am I picturing rocks? <laughs> <laughs> Why do I see rocks? Anything to do with it? I mean, <laughs> you can use like crystals and stuff with Reiki if you wanted to. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> anyway, um, but it's uh, it's like clearing and balancing of your energy, your life force energy, our chi, and so it's it's a, a healing modality, a technique to either like shift energy around, clear energy, put more energy in a space. It works with like aligning the chakras. Um, and it's really amazing the things that can come up with that. Cause in, let's say the grieving process, I could be working with someone's body and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, you have this like hot heat energy here. And then as we move through it, they just start like bawling, crying and like they're storing all this energy of like grief of their father and it's in their right shoulder, which is like, for some reason, it's like right there. And as we start talking about it, they they realize that's what it is. And so it's like pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard, I'm, I'm, I don't have a complete articulate way of understanding that. How, what is, how would you explain that to someone? I was going to say to the layman, I was like, which means just explain to me, energy just trapped in certain areas. Like your shoulder, this or that. Because I understand yeah. the chakras; are those are different kind of energy vortexes. I don't know if that's how you say it. What? How do you? What is that? What the hell is that? <laughs> like your, that, that emotion stuck in your shoulder. There's other so certain like, points, like specific points, or well, it's like so. Yeah, the chakras are like specific points that it would make sense because they all hold a different. You know, like the heart chakra with like feeling different things or or moving into some emotion and such. But like our body in any area could hold and store emotion or trauma just like because of the energetics of our, our, our body, like our, um, oh my gosh, like the flow of energy within us and just our body, like being the energy that we are. And then our body and those two coming together. It's not like there's certain points where it would hit, but like you can just find something that like, oh, I had a, a knee injury when I was younger and then all of a sudden, because of that, like actual physical trauma in your knee, maybe that's now where you store trauma about something else in the more emotional sense. Or like our right side is our masculine side, our left side is feminine. Maybe I'm holding trauma in the right shoulder because also this is where we carry a lot of stress. Mm. And then the right side's masculine. Maybe it's about my dad. I'm stressed and I'm sad about my dad and I'm holding it all here. Is that something we could, I someone could be feeling their whole life and never related to 
certain emotion. Yeah. Like I could just, my right shoulder could be hurting for years and it could have been something with the death of my dad. Yeah. As opposed to reaching for a mug too high up and distressing it, it could be something emotional. Yeah. There's a lot of studies and different things around like how our body stores emotion and trauma and like, it's it's, it's crazy. It's interesting. It's like a whole other world of just like, you know, like I, the healer that I see, she has true full belief that like, it's never just because you're reaching for the mug. It's like, there's something deeper. And like, anytime that I talk to like friends or family, sometimes I'm like, oh, your neck hurts. Like, wait, let's go deeper. Like, Jesse, like, no, it's just because I slept wrong. I'm like, no, 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 there's more. <laughs> That's making me think, rethink my entire life. I've gotten so many massages and thinking right above my shoulders is like always naughty. And it's never helped. So I'm like, now I'm thinking, what the hell am I storing? That's a lot of stress in the shoulder. This like this whole area is like a lot of stress. And like when you think about it, we feel like confined and like hold a lot there. So there's a lot of like attachment and and holding. What am I holding? <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Um, so I, I mean, back to the I guess all your practices and whatnot. What have you? What have you taken from your own experience and your own perspective of death? Because it seems like you're kind of, are you at peace? Are you at peace with it for the most part? My own death? Just like in general, like death in general, obviously your own grieving process. I guess let's start one step first. Let's start with your own grieving process and then just your perception of death. But so your own grieving process, what have you done to yourself to get through it? Mm, what did you apply? That's the interesting thing because I feel like I... So even with all the work that I've done and like my own healing work, my own coursework, everything, I don't think I've actually allowed myself to grieve my father's death. Not, not fully, like you're, it's never fully going to be grieved, but like I really didn't go into my own grieving process until probably a year ago, like fully, fully into and it. Was it was four years ago? Four years ago. So I, right after he passed, I other stuff was happening and like, it was just a, a lot of like going into caretaker mode that I tend to do. And then mm. it feels like I sort of shifted my focus onto whoever else needed help in the grieving process. And then I started my coursework, which was amazing. Like my spiritual psychology program was a lot about healing yourself and, and going through your own release and healing work to then facilitate that for other people. But I feel what I've realized a year ago is I, just like that then became my focus. So yeah, I was doing the work and I was healing, but really what I was doing was I was a great facilitator. I was able to then take care of other people and show up for other people. And so um, that that course was a two-year course and it had a intensive seven-day lab last year. And in the lab, I like it broke me. And I was like, oh fuck, like I've been sort of bypassing my own like the real, real deep sadness, like the little girl in me that's like, fuck, where's dad? Like that, yeah. that one, that voice was like, hello, like you're taking care of everybody else. And so that actually shifted everything for me also around how I show up as a facilitator, how I show up as a death doula. Because if it's in the intention to just caretake and be there for other people, that's not true intention. Really what I want to show up as like, raw and real in my own process to then be like, now let me show up for you mm. fully and wholeheartedly, not because it's me avoiding something. So is it harder to, I feel like it's harder to do anything wholeheartedly unless you kind of handle this first. Yeah. Tend to yourself and then you can tend to the collective. So may I ask what, 
what were some of those steps or what was, because it was technically part of your studies that kind of brought it out? Yeah. What was, you mind me asking the steps or whatever the hell you did? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's um, a fee, we can add a subscription swipe up or something for people, yeah. to, whatever it is. Yeah. No, it's just a lot of like unpacking of old, like when I spoke on like the little girl, a lot of my, like the deepest, I'd say most, um, powerful healing work that I've done is like going back to younger versions of myself and having conversations with those little Jessies and being like, sit her in front of me at like two years old, four years old, six years old, 12, 13, 18, just sitting and having literally a conversation with the younger version of myself and understanding why she's scared, like outside of myself, pulling her out of me. Like, why is she scared? I have to beep, 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 back that up for a second. <laughs> Logistically. Yes. Is that through meditation? Like, how do you, how do I pull little David up? It's through like, yeah, close, like it would be like a closed eye mm -hmm. process. And then um, at my school that we have, it's called gestalting. Mm. Gestalting. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's fun. Uh huh. Mm. And you literally put an empty chair in front of you. And that's, and that's being gestalted. And you pull in that energy of that younger one there. And in like a closed eye process, you speak from yourself and then you get up and you sit in that energy and then you speak from that younger version. So you're closing your eyes, chairs in front of you, and you're envisioning yourself sitting in that chair as a, mm -hmm. as as you or as a certain age? As like my, let's say my four-year-old self is in front of me and I'm me here, 31. And then I'm sitting here and I'm talking, I'm asking her something. And then I go and I sit in that, physically sit in that chair and embody the energy that is the younger one. And I respond out loud with my eyes closed still, I respond as the younger one, and then you have a conversation. And let me tell you, it sounds no, insane, I'm, I'm, but I'm thinking there about this. are times when I'm not kidding, I've sat in that chair and it's been like a different voice comes out or my whole body changes. Like it's powerful work and uh, it's changed that specific modality, like was a lot of my healing. That's my arms and my hairs are sticking up because mm -hmm. I've always, this isn't to shift the focus on me, but just as an example, I feel like I forgot a lot. Like my, I was 12 when my dad died. And so, you know, it's young, but not, to me, it's like young, but it's still old enough to really know what's going on. I feel like there's a lot that I forgot. And I think when I reflect on how I've handled things, it's always like, I'm always, I'm always thinking of myself as a grown man, more or less, as opposed to how did 12, 13, 14, 15 year old, 16 year old David handle it? So something like that can really benefit me if I could hone that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, so which is why I'm so curious, me personally and selfishly so curious because me specifically going back to a younger me is so integral to me because I only know myself as now, right? Like I only, as a 31-year-old David and maybe the last decade, like I, I know who I am, but for some reason there's a part of me that doesn't really remember who the 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old David was. So if there's a way to, for me to go back and really, because I know it's in me. Yeah. Like I know it's in me. Like I'm very aware of that. It's just a matter of pulling up those memories and pulling that up. So is that subconscious? Is, are you, are you, are you, do you believe that 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 method that you're speaking, the guth what? <laughs> Gestalt. Gestalta. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a not, Nazi regime, but okay. The Gestalta. Uh, that. <laughs> is that something that you think you're just pulling something, it's coming from you, or do you think that's an external energy? Oh, no, I think it's totally subconscious. Mm. Like, I think that, like how you just said, um, you know, not really knowing yourself back then or not touching into those younger versions of yourself. I think that that's so common. And so when we, like, quiet the mind and go back to that, 
really the conversation is like, of course, it's your, you know, your imagination and you're, you're just, you're, you're speaking from that space, but there's a subconscious knowing that's coming mm. up of, of, because that's you, you know, you know how you were at that age. You might not think of, you, you might not think you know it or like think about it. It's not the mind. It's like when you drop down into that space within. <sighs> I know you it's should. there. I know it's there. It's just, so I, I believe you. I'm, I'm going to try it. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. And it's just, uh, I think I get my own way often enough and just, I feel like I overcomplicate things as perhaps we all do. Yeah. As opposed to just quieting the fucking mind. Like I used to be the type of person, like every, like everyone in their mother used to say, oh, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. And then from my understanding, I'm like, everyone can meditate. It just takes a little practice. Like it's not going to, it's just not going to turn a switch on that you're meditating. Yeah. So I, th I feel like as what you just explained is that, did that happen right away for you? Like you did it, did it come out? I mean, it was definitely like, it takes time. Like you just said, it's practicing because also like, you know, you tell me like, hey, go sit in that chair and talk from four-year-old you. It's like, at first, even me, I'm very open to all this different sort of, you know, more like experiential healing work i still like needed to feel it and like move through it and you know it feels a little silly at first so how many times did it take for you to like oh shit i'm talking to myself um i feel like it was probably quickly because also you can do that with not just your own like younger self you can do that with an emotion i could put i'm like fuck i'm angry today i'm gonna put anger in that chair in front of me or you know what i'm i'm pissed today that my dad's gone I'm going to put that energy there and then I'll go in that chair and literally like my whole body is like tense and I'm like cussing and yelling and just letting it have a voice. Mm. That's what it really is, is there's these different parts in us and that like the grieving process, any emotion, sadness, these younger versions, whatever it is, giving those parts a voice is not something that people do often. Mm. And I think that that ties back to like the grief again is I since growing up, how I mentioned before, being like, you're too sensitive, like you're too emotional. I think mm. that that then sort of tri trickled into my grief process where I was like, oh, be the strong one. That was also like fed to me, be the strong one, like pull it together, handle everything. And so like not allowing myself to even cry about it or like be sad about it and just like handle everything. Putting that in that chair was like, oh, she had some shit to say. Like, <laughs> she <laughs> I was, was sassy. Like, Close the door. Like, <laughs> yeah. but I need this like padding on the window. <laughs> so, so, how did that help you? I, I, I think we all we started this section of the conversation. But how did you handle? How did you handle your own grieving yeah. process? And then you said you started doing this process. So talking to your younger self, because this is only four years ago you lost your father. Mm -hmm. How did talking to yourself? years essentially decades before you lost your dad how did talking to your younger self or understanding your younger yeah. self help your process something when you're older does that make sense yeah um it helped because what i have experienced now with working with younger versions of myself is that if i'm feeling scared sometimes it's not me right now feeling scared there's a younger version that it, whatever's happening right now is triggering something that happened back then mm. so for mm. me what i started to realize is like you know like my experience with my dad dying where i said like that was so natural and actually a beautiful exchange of energy so i feel like i came to terms with the physical death that happened younger parts of me were like like sirens going off being like, hold the phone, like dad's gone. What the hell is happening? I'm scared. I'm alone. I'm sad. 
you know, and so those parts, I feel like were what were triggering the, the emotion that needed to actually speak. So why is that younger you and not just a human you? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's human yeah. just to like miss your father. How, I mean, how, you know what I mean? Like, why is that a younger you thing mm. as opposed to just a human thing? I think it's definitely human. I think it's just. Or is that human thing deep down just part of a younger us? I think it's, well, for me, it's like, where did I learn that first? What was the first mm. part, first point that I can like trickle back on my journey and see like, Oh, I felt that here when my parents got divorced. Oh, I felt that here when my dad was on location at movies and gone all the time. Uh, oh, right, I felt that right, here. Right. And so you can feel where you felt that on this like sort of, you know, path downward and be like, oh, I need to sort of go back to all these different places and heal those and give loving and, you know, support to those parts. Because it's like I said, like that, like siren going off and all it's like all the different ages are like shit, we're here again. Yeah. Like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. And that goes back to then it's like the physical death or just like when, when my dad would be gone for months or when my parents split and he was gone. Like there's, there's a lot that could be triggered from a physical death happening that we don't even realize it's, it's trauma from before that even. Yeah. I guess that makes sense to what, how you were talking earlier, how, you know, death can come in different various ways, whether it's a relationship, whether it's actual death, so kind of, kind of in a way relates to what you just said in a sense that, you know, you lost your dad, but there's that correlation between an, a totally different emotion. It might not be death, mm -hmm. but it's, it triggered the exact same emotion. That's fascinating. Okay. I, I don't think I made sense there, but it made sense in my own, in my own head. <laughs> uh, okay. So that was one big step. Is there anything else you contribute your, your personal growth? And it's so amazing because I don't know mm. anything about being a death doula, but it really seems like you were in training. You were in like, your own training. Yeah, I feel like, um, I definitely feel like just how, again, how naturally everything came to me during the process of him dying. And look, I mean, it wasn't easy. Like it was really right. fucking hard. And, and I had to just, or I chose to step up into just like, all right, I'm going to handle things and like keep everybody together. Um, but I think that actually taking the course of the death doula course um, helped me in my grieving process because in the course we learn about the dying body. We learn about grief. We learn about how to show up for people, the family and the person dying. So like I took this course a year after my dad died, maybe even less, no, a year after. And like two year course. No, that was the spiritual psychology course. This okay. is right back to when there's like, where's my paper of everything? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, the spiritual psychology course was two years. The death doula training was like a 16-week training. Got it. Um, but through that was like part of my grief process for sure. I feel like I learned so much about death and the dying and then like was able to heal in that and also you're working with other people so like people doing their projects and like sharing stories and so it was like i was able to talk to people outside of my family because to my family i feel like i kept on the armor and was like i'm the strong one like i'm not going to show emotion but in this group i don't know them i'm online with them and i was able to really share um openly so you contribute a lot of your healing process is in a very simple way of saying it just kind of letting Exposing yourself, letting it out, talking about it. Because like, yeah. there, there was at one point you just said where I was speaking, getting deeper inside you, but then there seemed to be another phase of like you just explained of 
I guess talking, was it talking to other people or hearing other people? What yeah, was it exactly? Uh, well, both, but then, I mean, then jumping back to the spiritual psychology course, a lot of that is as I'm facilitating for other people and healing and doing my own healing work. And then there's like group sharing and like, you're doing such intensive work in that realm with them that like, that was part of it too. I let myself, I'm not, oh, I am now. I wasn't very vulnerable for a while. I felt very closed off to letting people in. I'll take care of you, but like, don't worry, you don't need to take care of me. And I think that in that course, I actually like let people in and let people like hear me and see me. And and so it was this like give and take in the exchange of both hearing other people's stories and letting people in. And when you say letting people in, does that mean you expressing yourself or them asking you, how, how did you let people in? Yeah, letting like letting the armor dissolve, letting myself truly be like, okay, I'm going to like disarm here and let you see me for who I am and how I am. And like, it might be really fucking messy, but knowing and trusting that the person or people there were like down to just hold me and they're like, all right, be messy, you know, let those let the weird, crazy flags fly. Like, we're, we got you. <laughs> so messy, crazy flags. <laughs> letting down your armor. Is that just, let it, like, whatever, emo- if I'm angry, I'm, I'm yeah. whatever, I'm, whatever emotion, is it emotion? It's, it's emotions. the emotions. It's letting emotions And, show. like, really letting them out. Like, that space was, like, if you need to yell, yell. If you need to, like, get on all fours on the ground and cry, like, do it. Like, if you need to literally lay down with a pillow over your face, do it. Like, there was such an openness to emotion that I didn't feel as a kid that I was like too sensitive you know so I in that space I was like oh my god I can like just let tears and not even like be handed a tissue because that was seen as like stopping someone from crying Uh. so they there was a rule like do not hand anyone a tissue if they ask you for a tissue you could take it so like that was new you know just like even the thought of like tears streaming down my face so that goes back to what you were saying how I mean you said a few times already how you were told this and that. So I guess it goes back to things we were told as younger that we don't even realize. You were talking to your younger self, that's one thing, but then you keep relating you letting your guard down to early on being told, like, that's not the right thing to do. Like, don't be sensitive, this and that. Yeah. Isn't that fucked up? How we, we, we are told that? We are, I, mean, I mean, I can't personally remember like a, a time saying, don't be that, don't be this, but there is like a societal assumption that it's bad to like show your colors yeah or like too much of it you know like don't don't like it's like people are just a little like ah like don't be too messy or don't be too you know emotional or too sensitive i mean listen out of context if i was walking down melrose in la and just saw some dude holding a pillow in his face screaming (laughs) i'd probably be freaked out but in context at the end of the day i mean there's no rules to this we all there's it would feel good just to fucking yell and just scream and just let it yeah. out. Like there's, there is a, there is a real release there, and it goes back to the reason why we're talking about what we're talking about. Because as as weird as this, get talking or yelling or whatever it is, just getting it out is a healing process in itself. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a perfect example of that. Yeah, and I, and that's what I feel like I've started to take into my work with my clients is like, I just hold such space for any form of release work and healing work and you know, in terms of just anybody grieving or the the dying process, like my intention also is to just illuminate the, like illuminate the 
understanding that it, it doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be something that we turn away from or avoid. It being death? Death. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, we're jump, jump all no, over. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> I mean, don't mind me. Yeah. Just like death isn't something that needs to be avoided. And, and I feel like if we, even allowing that trickles down into allowing ourselves to feel things deeper because if we're sitting here avoiding something that is so true and real and big. And inevitable. And inevitable. Like inevitable. Yeah, like literally the one thing that every single person has in common is that we die. So imagine the, if we're talking about energy, like uh, as we said, like stored in your body and different things or like being out of balance and such. There's one thing that people don't talk about, turn away from. Literally, you say some like the word death, dead, dying. And the people are like, my mom even is like, ah, like don't say that, you know. And it's like that stores within us as something that of course we're going to be scared of and of course we're going to avoid i love like that you're doing this and you know and people that do the work that i've found and such because i think it's just it's so needed like it's so needed to make this okay especially in our society as you alluded to because i mean uh there was a friend of mine that in one of my first episodes i just met him don't have to get into that whole detail but anyway, he's, he's from Puerto Rico, and he was explaining cultural differences of understanding death. And I was trying to figure it out, like, as I was thinking of this podcast, I'm like, is it just America? I, I, I'm very, I'm not too educated on different cultures, but you hit the nail on the head there. And he was explaining in Puerto Rico, they were like, when people die, I don't know if this is all throughout Puerto Rico or his family. I, can't, I just said Puerto Rico, then Puerto Rico sounds better. <laughs> I changed my dialect there. Anyway, in Puerto Rico, he said, if someone dies of a motorcycle accident, they'll pick up the body and put them on top of a motorcycle for everyone to see, which sounds so gruesome. We put in a casket, but the point is, it's like, this is death. This is part of life as opposed to hiding it and sugarcoating it. And think about the casket. I get it. Like if someone has a gruesome death, you don't want them to like, you don't want to see something gruesome. I I can understand that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, uh, the way we understand it here, and I'm sure in most places, maybe, you know, they paint, they do them up, make them look presentable, this and that. Mm-hmm. But I wonder the psychological effect of just seeing the death for what it is. And the fact that we're sugarcoating it is, I can't imagine it's being good because when the time comes, it's just going to hit us like a brick wall. Yeah. And I've said this over and over again, but I don't believe that sugarcoating it is the way to go. It's like, it, it's because we're in for an ass kicking when it comes. And I, I don't want us to be the person that is just talking about death every day. Let's constantly wake up in the morning. Good morning. Yeah. Want some coffee with death with that? Yeah. No, that's, that's a little, <laughs> it's a little egregious. My point is just like, it's okay to like the name of the podcast, dead talks. It's like dead. Like you said, saying the word dead is like my, yeah. my dad's dead has a really strong, powerful ring to it. It's like, Oh no, I lost my dad. Or like he, yeah, he's passed on. He passed or- on. And I, I catch myself saying that, which is fine, yeah. but nothing's wrong. I, I'm comfortable saying my dad's dead. Yeah. I think that that's honestly like, so the training that I did is technically an end of life doula. And I was like, no, it's, I'm a death doula. Yeah, like like I just, I, yeah, I was like, it's same thing that like, oh, I'm going to call it what it is. And that's why, I mean, I mentioned to you before, like I work with bones and I may, I decorate skulls and like, yeah, if I, don't know I, how I didn't see... bring this up earlier. <laughs> she works with bones people. Well, when you're like, you know, I don't wake up and like have like, you want death with your coffee. I'm like, I'm known as like the weird dead person now, like the death girl. Um, it's so weird. Like the bone, like the bone collector. <laughs> yeah. It's a good movie. Denzel Washington. What's up? Um, but I don't think that's where you're going. You're not solving murders. Um, no, not yeah. yet. Okay. Um, but I, 
like there is something that in me getting more comfortable with death and dead and dying and everything, I've, I now honor it in such a different way. And like what you were just saying about your friend, like in the different cultures, like I love that. Like I feel like I, like there was a dragonfly dying or any little creatures when they die or things that I see, like I will pick them up and like, if they're dying, I'll like hold them and do a whole ceremony for them. Like this dragonfly was dying on my path in my apartment the other day. And I was like, we have to like bring it up into the flowers and like (laughs) did a whole thing for it until it died. And now I have it in a box and. Do you petrify it? No, it's just. Is that what you do? I mean, with like animal carcasses, you have to like do a Mm. whole process. Yeah. But dragonfly. No, it's just in a cool little box with dried roses around it. Oh, cute. (laughs) Nice. But I just, I really honor (laughs) the dying process and death in a way now. And I feel like that's like where we need to be headed. Why do you, do you honor it in a sense that, why do you honor it? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just curious. Is is it like uh, they're onto greener pastures? Is it a respect to the life they lived? Is it both? Like, why do you honor death so much? I think one, because people are so scared of it and people don't honor it. It makes me feel like just like how we celebrate birth, this is just another part of the cycle. So like I look at it as like, if I'm celebrating the life coming into this world, I'm going to celebrate the life leaving this world because mm. everything happens exactly as it's meant to in the timing that it's meant to. So if they, if this person or this creature, this animal here is dying that's what's meant to be happening. Like that's their path. That's their journey has ended here in this lifetime, this moment. So I feel like I have to honor it because of just the cycle of life and then not so many people honoring it. And then also I just feel like. I mean, you came in hot wearing all black. I put on a white shirt because I actually, when I was late, was like, I should probably not be all black talking about death with like feathers in my hair and like. <laughs> I, I, mean, I personally like it. As soon as you saw, I saw you walk in, I was like, damn, I should be wearing all black for this. <laughs> you are. I mean, I am. <laughs> oh, well, look at that. <laughs> that was not even, for some reason I thought, this guess is kind of gray. Yeah, but it's dark. It's dark. Yeah. I just, I, I honor it all. And I feel like I am like in my makeup, I think I said that too earlier, like I've always had a bit of a darker element to me that like I like more natural, different sort of out there things. And so like I'm attracted to the bones, I'm attracted to death, I'm attracted to this healing work and the, this this sort of realm that's not scared to dive into these deep like crevices and corners and shadows that- Yet they're natural. Yeah, they're all natural. Isn't that the weird part? You, could, you said weird so many times that it's like it's, that's that it, old little voice. It's like little, that's that little voice. Little one. But I get it because a lot of things <laughs> I do and say, people use the word weird. But in my way, weird is just minority, and minority doesn't mean wrong. Yeah. So it's really interesting you say that. But do we get a hard, solid answer as to what you do with the bones? Besides, is that the honoring? Is that the? So I, I decorate cow skulls. And what does that mean? Like, I mean, it sounds like what it means. But like skulls, like cow, mm-hmm. like a cow, cow skull. skull. Like I'll decorate. So I'll. I have like only ethically sourced bones that are like died natural death or were sick and had to die. And so I have this amazing source for those. My whole intention and like draw to that is um, honoring the creature. So like I'll bless them, I'll sage them, I'll clear them. And then tuning into the soul of the animal, Mm. releasing the soul from the bones, but then 
like using the bones themselves as like a protection piece for whoever, whatever home they're in or anything. And like cultures have, again, back to like cultures that are so amazing with honoring death and animals and bones and different things. Like Like how far we're going, like Aztecs, Mayans? Well, yeah, but also even just like in India, like they like cows are sacred or like, you know, there's just different ways to honor creatures and bones and death and everything. And, um, so yeah, I'll decorate them and then bless them and then hang them on wall, like walls and such. And how'd you learn this? I just got into it somehow. Do you eat meat? I go in through phases of eating meat. It's like an intuitive thing. Not normally. I felt like that was an appropriate question. Yeah. No, I like don't eat meat on Mm. the reg. Yeah, we don't have to, we don't have to talk about diets. It's dead, <laughs> dead talks, not diet talks. Um, damn, where are we right now? Yeah, I don't you know. know. <laughs> I don't know. We covered so much. It's awesome. So many bones. There's so many bones. No, no. Besides that, I mean, so you're. I mean, we could start probably wrapping this up because we've covered so much. But de- you're so you're a certified death doula. And you haven't been so much practicing. You're obviously knowledgeable about. It, but you haven't started practicing that. So what is your focus right now? My focus right now has been, I just got an office space so that I can have, I mean, like safely have clients in person. I've been doing virtually for the soul-centered coaching and the Reiki work and Mm. my jewelry and the bones. Mm. (laughs) Um, And then in the herbalist work, just doing like tea blends and such. And they all really go together because it's all like healing. It's all natural. It's all things that can really just support somebody. Um, And the death doula training, I mean, the, the death doula work, I've now finally it's all like energetic to me and I have to be very intentional so I feel like I closed the door I closed the door for a bit of like okay I did the training and now I need to like do my grieving and my processing and making sure that I show up with my my well full when I do that um so you're still grieving right now I think there's I know you said there's never end but like yeah I think that I'm in a different stage of grief now where like I'm I just genuinely miss my dad right and there's moments when I'm like, man, like I just, I now just really miss him. Where before I was so busy and keeping myself occupied and healing, but not fully feeling just that like, just that human feeling of like, yeah, I just fucking miss him. And it's kind of common. I know we had some, we bridged the gaps of other conversation, other topics there. But is it seems like that from, correct me if I'm wrong again, but you gave yourself time for yourself, for you pers- for your personal journey. Seem like you gave yourself time just to feel things. Mm-hmm. Was that yeah? Is that a part of it's kind of just? You seem like you were not distracted. I mean, you were distracted in a good way because you were trying to help people, but you just got, you just gave it time to really notice how you're feeling and then take it from there. Yeah, I think it was giving myself the time to feel and like that being okay that it takes time or that it's okay that like I'm not. It's okay that I'm not okay one day and and I think that the misbelief for so long was like. I have to be okay every day, all day, strong one for everybody so that I can also show up for my clients fully where it's like, I can have a day where I'm sad and the next day still show up fully as a facilitator for my client because they're separate. And so like, it's been just a lot of learning and um, like getting to know myself in this new space and, yeah. and understanding how I tend to myself and then tend to the people around me. And um Yeah. It's always a journey. It never stops. Crazy journey. <laughs> got it. Well, now you got me thinking as soon as you get out of here, I'm probably going to 
have to find an appropriate chair and start talking to 12-year-old David. So <laughs> You can start by even just like writing to him, you know, and seeing like you could do the same thing with writing, like write and then pause and then like write from him. Yeah, I need to figure that out because I think 12-year-old, 13, 14-year-old David is a lot. But then again, you said you were talking to yourself like before it happened. So I'm just focused on 12-year-old David because that's when it happened. But, you know, who knows what the hell stemmed from prior to that. Yeah, but you can even go back to him and then maybe he'll be like, we need to talk to... Yeah, imagine, listen, man, I'm 12, David, David, but you need to talk to eight. <laughs> You've seen some shit. You just have, get four chairs yeah, and, yeah. you know, keep bringing them in. I'm going to put a bunch of chairs around me and see what happens. Um, but Jesse, I, I don't know if you have any last final words, but you have some impressive, a pr- impressive perspective and totally a different perspective. And I think that's amazing. Seriously, Thank you. Yeah, I think that's, I think you got something really cool going with just you as a human being, let alone what you're practicing for a living. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. So I don't know um, for anyone listening still, if you want to shout yourself out, tell people they can find you, what you're doing. I know you explain what you're doing, but your office, your business, whatever yeah. you want to say, please. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I have to look at the camera. Uh, hey guys. Whatever. Just kidding. <laughs> that's your choice. <laughs> um, no, I would say I, I, I genuinely take such um care and um meaning in working with people and i want to show up for people because i feel like i genuinely can hold space and love to hold space to help facilitate healing and support for people because i know what it's like to not feel that and to feel alone in ways and so if there's anybody that resonates with anything that I'm saying or wants any support or even has, like, I'd love talking about this too. So like anyone, anywhere I'm around, I'm here and I feel um, open to the conversation. I love it. And the best part is that you've experienced it yourself and you healed yourself, healing, healed yourself, however you want to say it, through what you're teaching, it seems like. Yeah. So I think that's really important for people to understand. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Well, Jesse. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was so easy to talk to you. <laughs> and um, for anyone listening, you can find Jesse. What, what's your Instagram again? It's Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E underscore K-A-V-A-L-U-N-A. That's a lot to digest. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I, I'm going to put it down there. But Cavaluna just, is my company. Beautiful. Cavaluna. <laughs> um, I'll appropriately tag this so people can find you. <laughs> um, once again, another episode of Dead Talks. Please subscribe, like review I don't, I'm, someone tell me i'm supposed to say this stuff so if you are listening subscribe to this shit and um do it jesse thank you so much again for being thank here you. and we out later guys Ooh.